Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I finally got this to work, so I want to welcome everybody that's here and welcome those who are online watching us. We're glad to have you here at El Paso Bible Church. Hopefully, those of you who are in attendance got, the, got yourselves a bulletin because there are a lot of activities to highlight with the holidays coming up, uh, especially tonight. There's going to be a bonfire for the youth. Next Saturday, the men have a... BBB, and hopefully you all know that means Bibles, Beef, and Brew, in that order. Next, uh, two weeks from now, we're having our Thanksgiving luncheon here on the 13th. Um, there's a ladies' ministry meeting also next Saturday at 10 a.m. here. And Janice and I, we brought back our uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes today. And so this needs to be done between now and, and next week so that they can be collected and returned and then shipped uh, for, uh, for Christ before Christmas. All right, so those are the things that need to be highlighted. I need you to also open your Bibles to John chapter 3. If you want to follow along with me, we'll read from there. And then we'll pray together, then we'll sing together. All right? In the New King James, John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 says, He who believes in him is not condemned. And this is red letter stuff, so that means it's, this is Jesus talking. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19 says, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, 
because their deeds were evil. And blessed be the reading of his word. May you bow your heads with me now, and then we'll pray together. Lord, we do come to you to, uh, to pray, to seek your blessing upon our gathering, Lord, of, uh, of believers. We come here to worship you in song and in your word. We, we love hearing your word preached, Lord, for we know that it is our way to uh, better ourselves, better our lives, live happier, and have joy. Father, we do have prayer requests, though. There are people who are, are sick or ill and not able to be with us, people that are traveling, also not able to be with us. And we pray for those folks, Lord, that uh, you would take care of the needs in each of those situations. Father, we also pray for our service, Lord, that you would bless it, that our hearts would be open to your spirit guiding as your word is preached to us. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us, church, and we'll start some worship?
our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoices though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our
Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand So stomp your feet and clap your hands Our feet are on the rock I'm Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand So stomp your feet and clap your hands Our feet are on the rock Oh, hallelujah, 
Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your great is your faithfulness
seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. Got a little bit of uh, allergies this morning, so I'm going to sound a little funny. But we're going to carry on. Children, you guys can go to Children's Church. And Micah, I think, has a, an announcement if we have a microphone. Maybe we can just borrow Jacob's here. Come on up, Micah. <clears throat> All right. It's working. Okay. It is working. All right, so I just wanted to announce that um, Aaron and I are starting the young adult thing up as an actual Bible study this time. Uh, um, talk to one of us after the service. We're thinking of doing it at the church Saturday around 6 or sometime in the evening, uh, depending on when it works for everyone. We're going to get more schedule availability, availability opened up when the new building is finished, which is what we were waiting on, but we decided it's so we just are going to try to do it at the church. Um, uh, so talk to one of us after the service, and I'll have an email address where we can kind of coordinate availability and see what time works for most people. Thanks. So just for clarity's sake, there are a lot of people in here that consider me a young adult. So what's the age range here, son? Uh, 18 to 25. 18 to 25. All right. So did y'all get that? Young Adult Fellowship Bible Study, Saturday evenings? Talk to Micah. All right, we're going to continue our study uh, this morning in 1 John. And uh, we're moving into chapter 3, which is one of my favorite chapters in 1 John. So I hope that it will be one of your favorite chapters as well as we go through. But let's pray before we begin. And all our kids make it to children's church and everything. All right, good. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day. How we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises and your answers to prayer uh, that we even see in those who are worshiping together with us this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you for your healing power. Uh, we thank you for the way that it has been exhibited in the lives of many of those present today. Father, I pray that you would bless our time in your word today as we wonder at the, the greatness of your love for us. And it's your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so 1 John chapter 3 is a continuation, obviously, of 1 John. And our topic here is fellowship. Uh, fellowship, and John says, with us. And our fellowship is with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the fullness of joy is the, the desired consequence, right, that we're looking for, right? We've said that, uh, that we're, I've never met anybody who didn't want more joy in their lives. There's probably somebody out there, so don't try to Jesus juke me here or stump the dummy, right? There's somebody out there. Uh, this happens when we, when we talk about marriage relationships in Ephesians, Right? And Paul says there, he says that no one ever hated his own flesh. And all of a sudden, I see two or three people going, well, I know somebody who hated his own flesh. Okay, but it's a general principle, right? The fullness of joy, we all want that. And John provides for us to experience that. He provides instruction for us to do that. Uh, he says that when we walk in the light, we have fellowship. 
because God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Uh, if we say that we're without sin, we are not only lying ourselves, but we're making Him out to be a liar. When we commit an act of sin, we need to confess that sin and be, receive that forgiveness, right? That non-judicial freedom from discipline in our life that allows us to walk by the Spirit and in freedom in our lives with each other. And most recently, he's talked about what we're supposed to do uh, because it's important. One of the, the key principles that we observe in 1 John is for, as far as having that fellowship relationship functional in our lives is the way that we love the brethren. And then we have this, we have this principle right here, or this, this experience in 1 John, and he says that there were some who were, of, uh, or, or who were not of us who went out from us so that they would be known that they were not of us. And so what John is addressing there is in fact just the, the principle, like who, who is it that I am obligated to love? Remember we said that John doesn't tell us to go chase those people. He doesn't say to bring, come bring them back in. He says that it's necessary that we would identify who they are. And there are people who deny that Jesus is the Messiah. And we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to accept separation from people like that. Uh, so it's necessary, right, that we make a distinction because we're not to love everything. We're not, we can't, not all of our love is compatible with itself. We have the capacity to love the world. We have the capacity to love Jesus Christ. We do not have the capacity to love the world and love Jesus Christ. Those are mutually exclusive. And John says that you shouldn't love the world because it's passing away. It's a tragedy uh, if we waste our efforts in doing that. But we need to make that determination. Who is it that we are obligated to love? Who, love for whom, right, is key to abiding in Christ and existing, Right? together in fellowship. And we're not obligated to do that with people who deny that Jesus is the Messiah. That's not the key, right, to fellowship. Separation from those folks, identifying them is the key. And we're not to love the world. We're not to love the things in the world. We're not supposed to waste our time, waste our resources in sacrificial love for things that are passing away. In a large part, John tells us of the, of the rewards that we experience or will experience when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We stand at the Bema, a large part of the determination of what rewards we will receive is for whom and in what context we have chosen to love, chosen to love other people, love the brethren. And if we abide, John says, we have confidence of a reward at the Bema. The great white throne is separate, right? Remember that we need to keep those two judgments separate uh, because the Bible does. They're never mentioned as being identical. The contexts are entirely different. No one has confidence at the great white throne. Everyone is dead when they get there. Everyone is dead when they leave. No one is dead when they get to the judgment seat of Christ. It's the judgment of the living. Everyone is alive when they get there, and everyone is alive when they leave. What's being judged at the, at the Bema seat, and this is important, 
has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven when you die. It has to do with how you stewarded. Is that a word? Stewarded? Yes, I think it is. It just sounds funny. Your stewardship of your life, of your resources, how you chose to obey and to love those whom God has said to love. That's what's being judged. That's what's being discerned there. Some believers will have been faithful stewards. Some will have been faithful stewards. And some will not. Some will have been unfaithful. Some will have even been wicked stewards of the things that they have received from Jesus Christ in order to live a life of faithfulness. And some will receive a reward and some will not. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 3, that there will be those who are saved, yet as by fire. That everything, the entire product of their lives will have been burned up. But they will still be children of God, still be justified individuals, and still enter into eternal life. All will have life in Christ, who appear at the Bema. No one will have it taken away, it can't even be done. And some will have abided in Christ to the point that of them will be said he is born of Christ. And that's what that pronoun there at the end of chapter 2 is. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who produces righteousness is begotten of him, begotten of Christ. In other words, he has emulated Christ and obeyed Christ to the point that he is making his own disciples. The rabbi has identified him as equal, right? The disciple is not greater than his master, but when he is fully trained, he will be like him. And that is the, the culmination, right, of, of fullness of abiding. They're fully matured disciples. Now, all of that process, you know, language, language fails us, right? We don't adequately describe the, the situation, the love that is being exhibited in all of that. And all of that plan and all that process. It's a tremendous love that you and I, you and I do not have to produce a single thing in our lives to be children of God. That is a beautiful thing, right? You do not have to produce a single thing in your life to be children of God. You simply are a child of God because you believe in Jesus Christ. And he says, he who believes in me has eternal life. That is not a system that I think any human is capable of coming up with. But beyond that, he provides an opportunity for us to have confidence in his rewards. I, I have some, you know, I offer sometimes to pay my children to help me. And sometimes they say, Dad, I don't think I want to do that. For whatever reason, I may be, maybe I'm not paying $25 an hour. Sometimes I do pay $25 an hour, whatever. But they don't want to do it. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. Then you can do it for free. <laughs> right? I wasn't really giving you an option. I was giving you a wise, discerning choice. God could demand all of that production. He could. He could demand it for nothing. He could say, you should do it simply because you love me and you obey me. But he doesn't do that. He does not forget our work. 
and he rewards it justly and graciously at the beam of seat. And we can have confidence that that is his promise as well. But here's where the imperative picks up in chapter 3, verse 1. Again, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, but certainly 1 John. And John says this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. It's a tremendous love. John says you need to feast your eyes, fixate your eyes on observing the character of love that is evident in this process. Put your eyes on it. You can gaze at it. It's going to take your effort to even minimally comprehend it, to observe how great it is. Because you don't see it is a unique kind of love. I mean, this even... even when John says, behold what manner or what kind of love, we're talking about a, almost a difference in speciation, right? And, and it's so unique. When, remember when Jesus just calms the winds and the waves in the Gospels? And the, the apostles say, whoa! What kind of a man does that? Remember that? Well, you do now. That's the idea. We've ne- there is no man that can do that. Who, what kind of a man is that? That's the kind of love. We've never seen this before. Behold, this kind of love is different. You can try to comprehend it, but you're not going to be able to do that. Same thing, right? When Mary is greeted by the angel and says, Rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice. Blessed are you among women... That's what Mary thinks. We're told what Mary's thinking. She says, what kind of greeting is that? Nobody's ever been greeted by an angel like that, except Mary. It's unique. And that's the word that describes this love that God has for us. Behold, what kind of love this is. It's unique because it has a unique purpose Behold, how great a love. In fact, I almost want to sing that. Did y'all sing that song when you were little kids in church? Behold, the manner of love the Father has given unto us. Right? This isn't the right version to get the song. Great song. But look, this love is unique, and it is unique largely because it has a unique purpose. The love bestowed on us was for the purpose that we would be called children of God. Now, you might mistake that. Right? You might think, well, people can call people anything they want. Some people call Josh smart, but uh, that sort of thing. But John clarifies for us, doesn't he? He says, you are called children of God, and such we are. It's it, the naming event. It's not a naming event, right? So there's possession implied. Like when Abram's name is changed to Abraham. Sarai is changed to Sarah. They are the recipient of a possessive covenant blessing. You are in possession of an unconditional covenant. This is not a naming event, but it is a category establishment, right? They're saying that you are the children of God. This is your legal relationship to God now. 
you are called that. If you were to receive, right? So, uh, don't raise your hand, but you've probably gotten a summons in your life, right? Maybe. Hypothetically, I may have at one time or another, hypothetically. You know, you may sit around and play cards or Settlers of Catan like we talked about in Sunday school. And you guys, women don't do this, I don't think. But guys will sit down there and call each other Bubba and Fat Boy and Beavis and weird bad name, you know, things like that, right? And we all know who they're talking about. In fact, some guys in the, in, you know, who ride motorcycles have their nickname put on their vest, right? And that's what everybody calls them. Some motorcycle shops are like that, I found out. Somebody introduced themselves to me. I was like, that's not even a name in English, dude. That's not even a name in English. But when they get a speeding ticket, they don't put that name on the letter, do they? They don't care that your name is Bubba or Fat Boy with the boys. They put your real name on there, right? They put your legal name on the summons. Officially, legally, properly, God has established this category. The people who are recipients of my love are my children. They're officially designated. Officially designated the children of God with a permanent standing relationship with Him. Now again, I don't want you to raise your hand because I know it's happened to all of us. You know, we've all been walking through the grocery store and all of a sudden, it's usually the cereal aisle, World War III breaks out on the cereal aisle. And all of a sudden, there are three to six children below kindergarten age screaming bloody murder, kicking their legs because they want a particular kind of cereal on the cereal aisle. Yes? Is it sounding familiar? It usually, it's either the candy aisle or the cereal aisle. Smart parents don't even go down the candy aisle. But this can happen on the cereal aisle. And they're screaming bloody murder. Now, I'm not talking about COVID because grown-ups were doing that during COVID. I'm talking about in general, in life, the cereal aisle. And as you're walking by, you have two thoughts going through your head. I am thankful that those are not my children. And if you're smart, you add, today. I'm thankful that's not my children today. And you feel sorry for the parent who's experiencing that, right? So it could happen to any of us. Glad those aren't my kids. Boy, I feel sorry for that mama today. When my dad was passing away, my brother Luke took a moment at one point. And said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being the son that I was. And my dad didn't say, you don't need to do that. He said, it's okay. I forgive you. See, we have different perceptions about it, what, what it means to be children. Because if I look at the way I live, lived my life for a lot of years, 
you know, you take this with a grain of salt, obviously, but if God is walking me through Walmart, people are feeling sorry for him. You know what I mean? I'm the one that's throwing the fit on the cereal aisle. I'm the one that if people watch God walk me through uh, the, the Cheerio row there, I'm throwing a fit and dragging my feet, screaming bloody murder. I don't think I'm probably by myself. I mean, I could be. That's the nature of what I do for a living. We have to look around and go, well, the only one right here. The reason the love is so unimaginable is because God declared it to be so, because he desired it to be so, because the love was so great. No offense, kiddos, but your parents are stuck with you. Amen, parents? You're stuck with the ones that brung you, right? I mean, you're stuck. God wasn't stuck. He wasn't stuck. He had a great love. A unique love. A free love. No one was, had Him under obligation to do what He did. That we would be called children of God. The love that takes us from being dead in our trespasses and sins and not merely making us alive but making us children of God is in its own category. It's a truly wonderful thing. To be called children of God, and that's what we are. That's a true identification. Now see, when you, so I have all sorts of identification. You know that I, I haven't done it recently, but I, was work, I work the elections a lot. Right? And in Texas, at least, we require identification. So imagine that. So I'm, I'm the, the judge. I'm the election judge. I'm sitting there, and somebody hands me, you know, let's say. So they don't do this at the Democrat side of the table. They hand me my license to carry identification. Everybody recognizes that, doesn't, don't they? That looks like you. No, I don't have a beard in this picture, but most people can, you know, tell that it's me. And it doesn't matter where I go. I can whip out that this is, although the Sheriff's Department apparently doesn't understand that this is a valid form of identification in Texas since 2016. Had that discussion with a couple of them here and there. How do, how do we know the identification as a child of God, is true. Because this is unique, isn't it? See, I can take this anywhere in the state of Texas and they have to say, yes, that's a valid form of ID. You are who you say you are. You are. They're required by law to do it. How, do, how does the true identification as the child of God work? For this reason... The world does not recognize us. The world does not know us or recognize us because it did not recognize or know Him. See, when I hand that little card to somebody, I expect a light bulb to go off. Oh, ting, that's Joshua Meyer. This is his birthday. That's not the way your identification as the child of God works in the world. You should be looking for confusion. Right? 
And that's how you know that your true identification is with Jesus Christ because they didn't recognize Him either. The world didn't know Him the same way they didn't recognize Christ. And if they didn't recognize Christ, John has told us already, they don't recognize the Father either. Previous verses. This reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved. Beloved. Of an acquaintance. Uh, at the, one of the conventions I go to, and that's how he addresses the convention. At first I thought it was cheesy. A little. Right? I'm kind of a gruff redneck, you know. They call me beloved. They give me a kiss too. Jesus might. But I have grown in the past few years to really appreciate that. Beloved. You are the recipients of God's love. You are beloved if you are His children. It's not just a, a formality. Beloved, right now, we are children of God. Today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are God's child. Today, right now. This moment, we are born the moment we believed. It's a really short gestation, right? Isaac and Grace and I were watching a show about a zoo in Ohio the other day. These Indian elephants are pregnant for 22 months. It's a really long gestation. How long does it take for you to be called the child of God? Pretty impressive. Right now, we are children. Now, in our world, it has become acceptable for people to stay children a lot longer in the sense of immature, immaturity, a lot longer than it used to be. He says, we are right now children of God, but it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. In other words, you're going to have the legal standing of being in God's family. And right now, you are a child of God. You struggle with immaturity. You struggle with fleshliness. Okay, I struggle with immaturity, and I struggle with fleshliness. Maybe you don't. Can I leave it there? We struggle with that. That is not God's plan for you for all time and for eternity. You struggle now, but it has not appeared as yet what we will be. In the future. He says, we know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. There's an operative moment coming in the future. We are children now, but it has not been made manifest. My, my first Bible teacher, Joe Saul, liked the word manifest. It has not been made manifest. It has not been manifested. He used all the forms of the word manifest in one Bible lesson most of the time. Somehow, 
right? But it hasn't been. It has not been made manifest. It has not shown forth what we will be in the future because something hasn't happened. We haven't seen our final and eternal form. We haven't understood what it is in the future because it it is when Christ is visible to us as He is, when He appears, when He is manifest, when we are able to observe Him. That's the causation here. We will be like Him. It is a sight. It is not an opportunity that you and I have today. If you come to me and tell me that you just saw Jesus, I will tell you you are mistaken. Because Jesus has a body. And it's not here right now. And the next time He comes, He will meet us in the air. He's not going to meet us on Red and Donovan at Circle K. He's not. So if you see him at Red and Donovan, Circle K, one of you two has a problem. He's going to meet us in the air. It's an opportunity to see that is not here yet. It's not a feeling. It's not a dream. It's not a vision or an impression. It is a sight, something that we will be able to behold with our own earballs, as Grace would say. No, that was Thaddeus. That was Thaddeus. He heard it with his own earballs. Right? No, we're going to see it with our own eyeballs. We're going to see it as he is. This is Jesus we're talking about here because the scripture tells us that no one has seen the Father at any time. The function in the triune God that is appearing belongs to Jesus. So when we see a person of the Trinity, we see Jesus. And when that happens, we will be like him. Now this is, this is one of the words. Now y'all, we're coming up in the holidays, right? This is a little bit, a little bit distant from, from Christmas, right? He says we will be homoios. We will be like him. We will be, we will look substantially similar to him. There was a, an actual fist fight that broke out in one of the early church councils between the guy you know as Santa Claus and Arius over one of the, these two words, homoios and homoos, homoousios. And the big argument was, and we have people walking around on the earth today that hold to Arianism. They teach that Jesus Christ was not homoousios. He was not of the same substance with the Father. But he is homoousios. Am I saying that distinctively enough? Homoousios, ousios, oios. Arians teach that he is a created being, that he is like the Father, but he is not of one substance with the Father. Scripture says that we will be homoios. We will be like him who is homoousios with the Father of the same substance. We're the ones that will have the appearance but not the full substance. But Christ has the substance. And yes, Santa Claus did punch a man in the middle of a church meeting for teaching something different. St. Nicholas, not Santa Claus. Real guy. I like him. I don't have too, too much time for Santa Claus, but St. Nicholas and I could be good friends. 
So what do we do? Everybody, nobody wants to talk about the future. It used to be that everybody got excited about eschatology. They wanted to talk about last things. They wanted to, to talk about how the Soviet Union was going to give rise to this and that and all da 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 da. Today we have something opposite. Nobody wants to talk about the future at all. They want you to tell them about what they need to do on Monday. So I've told you about the future day anyway because I don't care if you want to hear about it or not because it's operative. It's an important thing that you understand that you cannot expect to be completed until you're in the presence of Christ. That's an important theological principle. You will not expect to be like Him, which is a reason to walk in humility and faith and obedience with other people until that day when you will be like Him and it'll be easy. That's important. But what do you do tomorrow? Well, he has a statement of fact. There's actually not an imperative here. He just says this is the wise thing, the normal, natural thing. This is what we would expect. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies or sanctifies himself just as he is pure. It's a reflexive thing. Reflexive means you're doing something and receiving the benefit of the action. So we have an active voice verb. That means I'm doing something to you. I'm now making you late for lunch, right? Yes? Okay. So I'm doing that to you. Um, if you're making me late for lunch, that's also... If, but if something is done to me, if I'm receiving the action, that's a passive. This is a reflexive means that you are both doing it and receiving the action. You purify himself. The word is holy. It's the verb form of agyas, sanctify. You sanctify yourself. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him sets himself apart, sanctifies himself just as he is pure. I thought Jesus sanctified me. Jesus did sanctify you. Jesus justified you. You possess the Holy Spirit in you, and in that sense, you are sanctified. You are. You are set apart. You are a child of God. You are the recipient of a unique love that is great in its magnitude, that took the kicking and screaming kid in the cereal aisle and turned him into an inheritor of God's grace. That isn't the only referent to holiness. That's a status that you have. But John isn't really talking a whole lot about your state in that sense. In your legal rights, you have the right as a child of God to claim sanctified status. He's talking about behavior. Behavior. He's... From this point forward, there's a lot of behavior discussed here. What we do matters. The way that we choose to behave matters. When we choose to act rightly, that matters. And when we choose to act wrongly, sinfully, that matters. And in this context, it specifically has to do with how we love the proper thing. 
We sanctify ourselves, make ourselves holy in refusing to love the world and the things of it. That's my understanding. That we, we choose to love the things that endure and not the things that are passing away. You sanctify yourself that way. And we are supposed to choose holiness, to set ourselves apart from sin, sinful actions. Excuse me, if we want to be particular, right? John is addressing sinful actions. Now, there are a lot of presumptions about what is a sinful action. We're talking about real sinful actions. I have been told that it's a sin for me to preach in jeans or without a tie on uh, at various times. I have been told that it's a sin to smoke a cigar. I'm not sure what the verse was for that. No one gives a verse for these sorts of things. So we're talking about real sin. We're not talking about somebody that's mad at you for a presumption of sin that they have fabricated, right? But we purify ourselves. We make ourselves holy. We set ourselves apart from it. And that's, that's clear. That's the context. That's what the verse says. The only question is, do you have this hope? Everyone who does it, everyone who has this hope, does this. So do you have that hope? The normal, it, again, it's not an imperative. It's just a statement of fact. It is sensible. It is wise. It is the right thing to do, the warranted thing to do, the thing that God blesses, the thing that Christ rewards, is to set yourself apart from those things. Paul says something similar. We could look over here. Some people don't believe me sometimes. I'm just pulling stuff out of the air. I occasionally do, but I'm usually talking to a small child or something, you know, trying to goof with them or something. I don't do that to you guys. Well, y'all, play, y'all do that, right? You play word games with kids. If you're not, I don't know what kind of fun you're having. Anyway, it's a familiar verse, right? Do not be bound together. Do not be unequally yoked, some of your translations will say. 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? See how it interacts with 1 John there. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And then he quotes an Old Testament passage going down to chapter 7, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. He says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There it is an imperative. It's a hortatory subjunctive. Let us do this all together No one's expected to do it apart from the body of Christ, helping and building up and edifying each other. But let us cleanse ourselves, make ourselves holy from those things. Purifying ourselves, choosing not to be bound by the world for love or money, as they would say. Let's cleanse ourselves, purify ourselves. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the great love that you have shown us. That we, we could be called and are called children of God. It's a tremendous thing. Father, we ask that we would have the courage uh, to choose to purify ourselves in anticipation of standing in, in your presence, in the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that opportunity, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? We'll dismiss the song. Hold me now, my feet are on the rock.